We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to today's message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Now here's Pastor Muta. Woo, what's up, Relevant Church? Really? Thank you, Jen. Somebody is awake. What's going on, Relevant Church? That's what I'm talking about. It's Christmas party Sunday, guys, and we love to party here at Relevant Church. Uh, if this is your first time here, I would like to say welcome home. My name is Muta. I'm one of the servants here at Relevant Church, and I'm just so honored uh, to be with you guys this morning, to be able to just share this word. I am super, super excited about the word this morning, but before we even get into that, I just want to tell you a little bit about Relevant Church. If uh, you're new around here, see, at Relevant, we want to do one thing and one thing well. We want to help people discover that Jesus is relevant in every sphere of life, from school to family to work. All life is worship. Everywhere Jesus is, and so Jesus is relevant in every sphere of life. And so what we try to do here is uh, we hopefully are creating a space where people are learning to passionately follow Jesus and love across boundaries, and make a tangible difference in our community, region, and world. And as we always say, we're a church plant. We have not reached our shoe size yet. And we believe that God has us on an incredible mission. So if that vision resonates with you at all, we just want to invite you to join mission with us and say, listen, we would love to do life with you. We would love to have you be a part of the relevant family. So if you don't have a home church, just know, welcome home. So check it out. We're super excited about uh, Christmas uh, this year. I'm excited about Christmas. And like Pastor Derek just shared, he's not a fan of Christmas music. I have never been a fan of Christmas music. But for some reason, this year, I've been playing Christmas music, y'all. Something is changing inside this old Grinch. We even have a Christmas tree in our house. And some of you guys who know me are like, oh my gosh, really? Uh, yeah, we haven't had a Christmas tree for a, a little while, but my son asked me, this year, he was like, Dad, can we have a Christmas tree this year? I'm like, you know what? Yes. I'll even go get it. I am that excited about Christmas. Um, and so I'm super excited about what God is doing around here. Another thing I'm really excited about is Heart for the House. Can we make some noise for Heart for the House? If you don't know what Heart for the House is, Heart for the House is this opportunity that we have to invest in what God is doing here at Relevant Church. So last week, uh, we had our Heart for the House offering, and you people are generous. Good Lord. You guys are generous. I just want to give you an update on Heart for the House. Our goal was to raise $7,000, and we've raised $6,000. Four hundred and eleven dollars so far. So that means we're only five hundred and eighty nine dollars away from our goal. Thank you. Thank you so much for all of you who gave. Thank you so much. I know a few of you said, hey, listen, I didn't get to participate in Heart for the House. I still want to give. I still want to be a part of this. And we just thank you for your heart for this house. And we've got a lot of things to be thankful for. And we've got a lot of things to pray for as we go into 2018. So can we pray over Heart for the House and also pray for our church and our community as we go into 2018 this morning? Let's pray. 
God, thank you so much for everything that you're doing uh, here at Relevant Church. Thank you so much for all the amazing, generous uh, givers, Lord, who decided to take part and who are compelled by your spirit to be a part of Heart for the House this year. God, I pray for those who didn't have the means to uh, take part in Heart for the House. We know that they have a Heart for the House, and they serve, and they give uh, generously in other ways of their time and their talent, and we thank you for them as well, too, because they are also contributing to the new thing that you're doing here. Lord, we thank you for this community and uh, what you're doing uh, in all the churches in this community, Lord. This morning, we just want to lift up Hope Community Church, Lord. We want to lift up Summit Church. We want to lift up First Baptist. We want to lift up uh, Mount Calvary and all the other Bible-teaching churches in this area, Lord. We are one family. We are on one mission, and we are one church. And God, so we just give you all the honor and all the glory for allowing us to just be a part of what this big thing that you're doing in this community is. So we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We can say amen on that. Let me ask you guys a question. Have you ever received good news at the worst time? You guys don't know what I'm talking about. People are like, I don't don't know what you mean. Where, like, you're receiving good news, but you're like, but not, oh, man, not right now. Let me tell you what happened. I was in seventh grade. Summertime was coming. I see a seventh grader. What's up, homie? There you go. He waved at me. That's seventh grade life. Serious life. My parents had been talking about this vacation to Washington, D.C., And I got to hang out with my cousin in Maryland, and I was excited to go with them. And they've been talking about this, and everything was super great, but they never gave us a date on when we were going to go. And so school was getting out. Met this young lady at the end of the school year. I know she used to go to a school close by to mine. She was also in the seventh grade. And that summer, we decided to go steady. And the day we made the decision, hey, do you like me? Yes, I like you. Do you like me? Yes, I like you. Checkbox, yes, no. That is the day my parents says, yeah, so we're leaving for Washington tomorrow. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? I'm in the seventh grade. I just got my girlfriend. And you're taking me away for a week. What are you doing? Great news, bad timing. You know, a lot can happen for a seventh grader in one day, in one afternoon, let alone an entire week. Great news, bad timing. You know, there was another time where uh, we had a lot going on. In fact, it was a time when we were planting our church, when we were just in the beginning stages of what you guys see today. And There was a lot going on, and Christine walks into the room. I'm laying down, and she throws this little thing next to me. And I look at it, and there's a positive sign on it. Bum, bum, bum. Who has a child in the middle of church planting? I mean, it was the greatest news. We had been praying for three boys, but this was the wrong time to bring on another child. Like, we are broke church planners. We are doing cartwheels because church planning is like cartwheels. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. You don't know if you're going to lose your hands in the middle of it. And in that whole process, 
God blesses us with another child. It was such great news. But at the same time, you're like, how are we going to do this? And this is what I found out about God. And maybe you found out the exact same thing that I found out. And if you haven't, believe you me, you will find out that a lot of times God shows up in your life. It is not at a good convenient time. He will disrupt your plans very quickly. You know, it's, it's one of those things where uh, uh, you, you're, you're about to make that phone call. I saw a meme on Facebook today, like, um, when you're about to text that person, you really shouldn't be texting. The Holy Spirit just shows up and he's got this little kid, like, in a restaurant looking at you through the window. It's like God just shows up, like, really? Should you be texting that person right now? But let me tell you something, especially... When God wants to shift your life, his timing is impeccable for him. But a lot of times, we're like, oh, God, not now. Why are you bringing this shift now? And so this morning, we're going to talk about a young woman from a small community who had a shift take place in her life. Where God showed up, but it was not the greatest Timing. Do me a favor, go to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. House crew will get it to you. And if you got one of the Bibles that House Crew's given to you, it is page 499. Page 499. So this is what I'm super excited about, guys, this Christmas season. These messages that we're going to be teaching over these next three messages. So we've got this message this morning, and then we've got Sunday morning next week, and then we've got Sunday evening, our Christmas Eve service. Everything is tied together. It's like a continuation. It's like a, it's a movie. It's a trilogy, and we're going to watch it play out. So this is what I want to encourage you guys. Lean in. God has something to say to us in this text. If you want to invite friends over for Christmas Eve service, which I hope you're inviting friends for Christmas Eve service, I hope you're not only inviting I hope you're also bringing friends to Christmas Eve service. This is what I want you to uh, challenge you to do is tell them to listen to all the messages because it all culminates Christmas Eve. And it's good. I've listen. God has been speaking to me through these messages. And I believe that God has a specific message for us this morning. So we're just going to go ahead and dig in in Luke chapter one, beginning in verse 26. It says in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel. In the sixth month, this, this text is carrying on a, a, a message that we found out earlier in the, in the chapter of a woman named Elizabeth who also had Gabriel show up in her life. There's this lady named Elizabeth. She's older. She's barren. She can't have children. She's always wanted children. Her and her husband can't have kids. And miraculously, God decides to shift her life. He sends Gabriel and he tells him, listen, you guys are going to have a baby. I know you, you can't have children. I know the doctor said you can't. I know you've done in vitro. You've done all of that. We understand you're going to have a child. So six months into her pregnancy is where we catch this story. 
The angel Gabriel, and Gabriel is an angel that God uh, sends uh, as a messenger to people. In fact, uh, in the text, he, he says to, about himself, he says, I am the angel who stands before the Lord. And we see him being sent out numerous times in the Bible to go send a specific message to God's people. So in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. This was a small town. Think now's Michigan. It was a smaller community. Nobody really thought too much about the community. In fact, Samaria was a larger city. It was right along the road. And so this young girl from Nazareth is visited by this angel. So he says, in the sixth month, the angel of Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Virgin literally mean this young lady had not been with anyone, and she was betrothed. And we don't use that, that term a lot lately, so uh, uh, we can say she was engaged, but that type of engagement was a little deeper than your average engagement. Uh, When somebody was betrothed to their spouse, when a woman was betrothed to a man, it literally was a legally binding agreement that the only way that you can get out of that situation was through divorce. So she is attached to this man. She's preparing for her marriage. And I can just imagine it. She's going to David's bridal. She's going to all these spots. She's picking out all the flowers for the wedding. She's thinking about everything that's going to take place when they have their family. You know, he's paying off all his debt. He's trying to make sure that he is a man who can stand on his own too, making sure the home is ready. We're going to be great. I cannot wait for our future together. Everybody's excited. The family is buzzing. Mary, you're going to be married to Joseph soon. It's so awesome. It's going to be a great experience for you. And everyone is excited about what's taking place. Except for Mary, we find out. Verse 28. Talking about Gabriel, the angel, he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. Greetings, O blessed one. The Lord is with you. Verse 29. But she was greatly troubled. Why would you be troubled if an angel shows up? I'm not going to lie. Some weird being just shows up in front of me. I probably would be troubled too. I'm a little nervous. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. This should bring joy to her. An angel has just shown up. A supernatural being has just showed up in her midst. And in fact, he says, listen, greetings, oh, favored one. God is with you or God is for you. You should be happy right now, right? But she's troubled. And she's trying to discern what this sort of greeting is. And this word discern is like, I'm I'm trying to figure out if there's anything bad in this situation right now. Why would you think of something bad happening when an angel shows up and says you are favored? Maybe it's because Mary was a good Jewish girl who knew the Jewish scriptures. 
Who knew that when God showed up in your life, a shift was coming? Maybe as soon as the angel showed up and he said, greetings, oh favored one, God is with you. Her mind immediately went back to Abraham, one of their ancestors. Who God shows up and he's like, hey, guess what? I love you. Get up from where you're, uh, where you're at right now and go to a place that I'll show you. Where are we going? You'll find out when you get there. So you just, I'm, I'm just supposed to leave my entire family, leave everything and just go, yep. Or maybe her mind went to Moses, uh, uh, the guy who was on, his, uh, on the run from this Egyptian king, Pharaoh, and God shows up in the middle of the wilderness in a burning bush, and he says, hey, you know that place that you're on the run from where they're trying to kill you? Yeah, you're supposed to go back. Imagine all these thoughts coming in her head like, what is God about to ask me to do? Because I'm supposed to get married. I'm supposed to be uh, married to Joseph. God, why are you showing up right now? But listen to what he says. He, he says in verse 30, do not be afraid, Mary. He knew exactly her posture. He knew that she was starting to think, and oh my gosh, what does this mean? He says, for you have found favor with God. And this uh, means God is looking at you with favor, and he wants to bless you. You've been noticed by God. How many of us would love to know that we are noticed by God? That God sees you, Heidi, and he knows you by name, and he counts the hairs on your head, and he wants to bless you. That would be a good sign. He wants to show grace on you. He recognizes you. He wants to do something amazing in your life. And this is point number one. This is what we get from here. A unique encounter with God's presence is a sign of his favor on your life. Have you ever been in church where you're just like, man, the preacher's talking to me. Have you ever been reading scripture and you're just like, man, this is so relevant to my life right now? Have you ever been uh, singing a song, maybe it's in church or maybe you're driving and you're listening to some worship music and it just overcomes you in that moment that is God's favor? He's got a word for you. He's got a message for you. And a unique encounter with God's presence is a sign of his favor on my life. Verse 31, and behold, this is Gabriel speaking, and behold, he's like, watch this, get this, hey, Mary, surprise, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. I'm going to be what? Excuse me? I'm, did you just say I'm going to be pregnant? You know I'm getting married, right? Oh, wait, hold on. You understand the situation that I'm in right now. Are you telling me I'm going to have a child? Call the tabloids. This was probably about the worst news this young lady could hear. It was the best news she could hear. 
But for her, this was the bad timing. Because, get this, if, if she got pregnant, it would be considered adultery. Because the marriage consummation, the way you consumed the marriage, uh, consummated the marriage, the way you guys came together was you went into the tent, y'all did your thing, and you're married now. And she's like, I, 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 we haven't even gotten to the marriage yet. What are you talking about? I'm going cons- uh, to have a child. I'm going to conceive a child. Do you understand what I'm, being, uh, 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 what I'm risking right now? If she would have had a child outside of Joseph, it would have been considered adultery, and she was liable to be stoned to death. There's another story in the Bible of a woman who is sleeping around, and she sleeps with another guy, and they bring her out, and they're like, hey, Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. We should stone her. Like, justice, just like that. Crazy type of justice. She was risking Joseph walking away from her life. The man that she's excited to marry. Everything that she was building towards could have been ruined by that one statement. Everything that she was building up, all the dreams that she had planned for herself, everything that she was getting ready for was about to be ruined by this amazing announcement that she was going to have a child. Why now? She would have to be willing to shift her entire life for God's will to be done. How many of us God is asking to shift our entire lives and we just resist it? We know God has been calling us towards something and we just we don't want to lean in. Cuz we've got all these plans. But God, this is how my life is supposed to go. I can't do that. Point number two. When God wants to shift my life, it will disrupt my plans. When God wants to shift my life, it will always disrupt my plans. Some years back, I was at the height of my career, or getting to the height of my career. I'd always wanted to be in communication and marketing and in business. And me and three friends had launched an ad agency, and it just blew up, and everything was going great. And we were these young, hot entrepreneurs, had our own offices. Everything was great. We had great clients. And then something began to shift inside of me. I was dissatisfied with my job. I was dissatisfied with my role. But it's crazy because everything that I was building towards was working out for me. And then God sent an angel in my life called Christine Wenya. And she said, you've always told me what you wanted to do. You've never told me what God wanted you to do. Greetings, oh favored one. (laughs) 
And in that moment, God called me to walk away from my career to enter a career in ministry. The shift. And then back in 2012, uh, we're all excited about uh, moving out of the country. Christine and I had been planning and plotting. We just kind of wanted to move out of the area. And we're like, hey, you know what? You're, you know, your background's from Toronto. My background's from Zambia. You know, let's, let's move to Toronto. Maybe we can head to Zambia in a few years. So we packed up our entire house and we sold a bunch of stuff and uh, paid off all the debt and cleared everything, moved into my parents' house so that we can uh, be ready and to save some money to move. And we were super excited about going. And right when we were about to leave, I get this amazing job offer, and we knew we need to take that. God, why are you disrupting my plans right now? I'm supposed to go. I'm supposed to do something. I've always wanted to leave this area. I grew up in southwest Michigan. This is my time to leave. And now you're asking me to stay. When God wants to shift my life, it will always disrupt my plans. Verse 32. This is what the angel starts telling her about her son. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Jesus is called the son of the most high. This term son of the most high is used in, in, in the Old Testament uh, referring to God, the God, the creator, God of heavens and earth. And Jesus many times called himself the son of God. And he refers to uh, uh, God as my father. And so this is really talking about his divinity. This angel is telling uh, uh, Mary that your son is going to be blessed. He's going to not only be favored, but he will be called the son of the living God. And his, he says, what did he say about David? He says, uh, uh, you shall call his name Jesus, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And now Joseph, Jesus' adoptive father, he came from the line and the tribe of David. That was his ancestor. And now this angel is saying that he will give him the throne of his father, David. That means uh, Jesus would now be a part of this kingly line. And, and he will begin to fulfill this covenant, this promise that God made to this king, David. And uh, David was one of the greatest kings of their people. Listen to what it says in 2 Samuel, and this is God talking to King David himself. It says, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom and he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Jesus was going to take over the throne of David, and his king was not going to end like David. He was going to be a greater David because his king, his, his kingdom would last forever. He goes on to say, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Uh, see, Jacob is a man that God showed up in his life and shifted his life as well, too. 
In fact, God changed his name and called him Israel. And so when we hear about the nation of Israel, the Jews, they all came out of this individual. And Jesus was about to reign over the house of Jacob. And Jesus now was going to carry on this legacy. And this little girl, this little young lady from Nazareth, from a little town from nowhere was going to be holding a baby who would become a royal king. And his kingdom was not going to end like her ancestors. Her, his kingdom was going to last forever. And in that last statement, he says, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. And this comes from a prophecy in the book of Daniel. In chapter 7, verse 13 to 14, it says, I saw in the night visions, and this is the prophet Daniel who's writing this. And behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. Jesus is called the son of man. And he came to the ancient of days, talking about he came to God. That's another term that they use for God the Father. And was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His, king, his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one, that shall not be destroyed. This is Jesus. This individual is about to be in Mary's womb. And how many of us in here, years ago, God talked to our forefathers and said, uh, later on in life, someone is going to come from you and they're going to accomplish great things for me. I'm going to bring a shift in your family's life and maybe you came from nothing and maybe you came from a very humble beginnings, but God wants to do something in your life. He wants to shift your life into something that he's got planned. Look at how Mary responds in verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be? Since I'm a virgin, I've never been with anybody. How is this majestic king going to come outside of me when I've never given myself to any man? How many of us in here are saying, God, can you do anything with my life? I've not accomplished this. I don't come from this family. I don't know things like this. I don't know the Bible like I should. I don't. We have all these excuses these fears I come from a small town I'm not educated I don't have a college degree I barely skirted through high school I'm not from a prestigious family I don't have any money God wants to free you today to invite you in the thing that he wants to do. Let's find out why in point number three. God's plan for your life 
will be developed in a way which you can't take the credit. When God calls us to something, it's always going to be bigger and better than we could ever think or imagine. See, the shift is for your good. The shift was for Mary's good, but it ultimately was for God's glory. The shift may be for your good, Lucas, but it will be for God's glory. And so this is what I believe God called me to come and tell you today. If there's somebody in here, there may be a couple individuals in here, there may be five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of you guys, and maybe there's even just one, but God sent me to tell you today, get ready for a shift. Get ready for a shift, because when God shows up in our life, he wants to show us that we are favored. That he's got a plan for us, that he wants to bless you in a specific way. But God's presence in our life is never static. It always is to distract, disrupt your plans for his plans. And his plans may be scary, but they are better than you could ever imagine. They're made on better promises than you could have ever made for yourself. And he promises to bring them to life. Are you ready to be shifted today? God is saying, get ready for a shift. Get ready for a shift, Greg. Get ready for a shift, Tanner. Get ready for a shift, Jim. If we are to truly experience all God has for us today, this week, in 2018, we have to get ready for a shift. I was talking with my wife this week I, 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 before I even got to this message. I was telling her, I said, I believe that God is pouring something in my life and he's giving me this word, word shift. Like 2018, there's going to be a shift. Are you ready for a shift? Here's how to prepare for your shift. Because you could be prepared. One simple statement. Lord, I will trust you. I'll trust you. I don't have all the answers, but I'll trust you. God, this is ruining my plans, but I'll trust you. God, this is extremely uncomfortable, but I trust you. Karen, I don't know what's going to happen next, but I'll trust you. And there may be somebody in here who specifically needs to know that Jesus Christ came from the right hand of God in heaven, shifted his existence into humanity, came into the womb of a young lady named Mary, 
was born miraculously, lived like you and I lived, but lived perfectly because he knew that you couldn't live perfectly. And then when the time came, he allowed himself to be beaten, to be mocked, and to be put on a cross and die the death that you and I deserve. And three days later, he rose again with all power so that you could experience your shift. And today he wants to shift your life. And if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, or maybe you made a decision way back when, and one of those times where you just got caught up with the moment, you're like, yeah, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, but you really didn't mean it a whole lot. But this time, Jesus is saying, get ready for a shift. It's real. I lived perfectly so you wouldn't have that much pressure on your life. And I died to take on the punishment you deserved. But I rose again so you could rise again in new power so that you can live a life that's shifted, that accomplishes his purposes for your good, but his glory. If you are in this place today, I want to invite you to make a decision today that says, Jesus, I will trust you. So all heads are bowed, all eyes are closed. God, we thank you so much for sending Jesus Christ. We thank you so much that through his death, burial, and resurrection, our life can be shifted. Lord, that we can see better days, that we can have a hope for the future. And Lord, uh, there may be somebody in here who has not made a decision to follow you. They've heard about you. They feel they know about you. But their life does not reflect you. And you're telling them, get ready for a shift. And it begins for you today. And if you're in this place and God wants to meet you here and he wants to say, I love you. You are favored by me. I want to bless you. I want you to just go ahead and raise your hand while all heads are bowed and all eyes are closed. Just slip your hand up. I see your hand. Your shift begins today. I didn't say it was going to be easy. I didn't say that it won't disrupt your plans because it probably will. But God's plans are always greater than we could ever imagine. So everybody, can we just pray with this individual and just repeat the words after me? Jesus, we come to you today knowing that you love us, that you want to bless us, that you want to shift us. I accept. I will follow you. Teach me your ways. And allow me to become everything you want me to be. It is in your name I pray. 
Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.